sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match this. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. David Jason. Hey, everybody, welcome to Pop Culture. That's John Elliott. And this is Patrick Riccardi. And this week we are doing. Top 10 movies of the 1940s. Indeed. What? Did you say moo? That's what it sounded like you said. Uh. Um, yeah, we're working our way back. And this this uh, decade was really easy to pick movies from. I think yeah. you, told, you told me in email, I think, that it was yeah. easier than the 50s and 60s for you, which I agree with. Yeah, much easier. It, yeah. I mean, not easier in what to choose, but easier in that the I had more to choose from. Yeah. Yeah, I think the 50s and 60s don't hold a candle to the 40s. I guess that's why they call it the the um, the copper age of film. Yeah, they, they certainly do. Um, and we all know the golden age was uh, back in Lincoln's day. Taking some moving pictures of Gettysburg. Uh, and we've all seen those films, of course. But I, I prefer the 40s myself to the 1860s. Mm-hmm. Um, but, all right, we'll go with tradition, and we'll have you go first with your pick. So I'm excited to hear what you've got, because I just, like I just said before we came on, I, I just thought of one, and I'm pretty sure it'll be on your list, because uh, I totally forgot it. But um, let's go with your number 10. My number 10 is kind of a sentimental pick. I don't think it's a great movie, but it was fun to watch as a kid and has some iconic moments. Part of the Yankees, the story of Lou Gehrig. It's a silly biodrama about Lou Gehrig who played for the New York Yankees. And it is almost, I'm not going to say 100%, but I'd say 95% made up for movies. You mean like all biopics are? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's a fun movie. It has some funny moments. It has... Uh, Gary Cooper playing Gary Cooper <laughs> so it really isn't Lou Gehrig but it it's interesting and, and funny, funnily, funnily enough Babe Ruth playing himself which is hilarious because it's I don't I mean I guess it's only 20 years after so he's not that much older but it's still it's pretty funny to have someone playing their, their themselves as especially as a younger person right and yeah so although babe okay. ruth was never like the picture of health anyway so it probably didn't matter too much like well i think our idea of him was never the picture of health but when he was younger he was you know he was a pretty healthy guy ah. but anyway it's it's a fun movie and has that iconic scene that have been has been parodied on and on again for years and years where at the end of the movie he gives the speech about not being able to play i consider myself so 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 so, so anyway yeah i've actually seen that one um, yeah, so it's a sports movie you've seen. It's been so long, though. That Well, you know, as we talked about before, when we were growing up, this kind of stuff was on TV a lot. Yep. Like, there were a lot of 40s movies on TV. So, um, Okay, Pride of the Yankees. My number 10 is Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. From oh, that's good. 1948. Uh, I don't know what year yours was from. Uh, Mine was from 1942. 42. Yeah, that's the one where they... they they did a bunch of these, but this is the one where they meet like all the monsters, and uh, I feel like for '40s comedy, you gotta have Abbott and Costello. I really, yeah, I thought about it, and I'm glad you put one on because I didn't put any on my list. So that's fun. 
It's uh, and I think this might be the one. Oh, who knows? Who cares? But there's an, one of these monster ones has happened to Costello at a doing their their bit where they're at dinner and they're trying to hide something in their hamburger and they keep trading it back and forth and it always cracked me up. It might be. Yeah, I know. I can't. Who can remember? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this this one I always loved and I was always excited when this Abbott and Costello one came on TV. Uh, anyway, yeah, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Not much to say. You either know it or you don't. Um, still well, holds up, it, I think. It's interesting. This is one that had it had the, the monsters, but they're actually played by the people who played the monsters, which makes it yeah. a little bit more fun. Yeah, like Bella Lugosi and, and Lon Chaney Lon and Chaney stuff. Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, what you got for number nine? Uh, let's see what number... Oh, number nine's a tie. So uh, the 50s had a lot of Hitchcock, and I think the 40s might as well. And this For number nine, I, I th- there's one other Hitchcock movie, but I'm not going to put it on the list. But these two are the two Cary Grant uh, f- uh, Hitchcock movies from the 40s, and they're both excellent. One, he plays a bad guy, which is something I think after this you didn't see very often in nope. Suspicion. Yep. Uh, it's a it's intense. He's he is really dark and awesome in it, and it's a very good movie. Cary Cary Grant. I, he he marries a woman who's rich and tries to steal from her, and then ends up trying to murder. Her. I don't remember the whole plot, but you kind of get the point. He's playing a a a rake who's who's just in to get the money. From yeah, his. like the dude in uh, Night of the Hunter, Robert Mitchum. Yeah, and uh, June Fontaine plays the plays the wife and it's a very good movie i i don't know if that was made here or in england i don't know what the time i think he was time here it's, it's here yeah yeah but that's 1941 and uh tied with that is the other Cary grant Alfred cuck movie notorious with ingrid bergman and claude rains and it's a spy thriller yes uh notorious one of his most famous uh inspired a uh, duran duran song hungry like the wolf I yeah. thought it might be that one because it fits. Um, yeah, those are good. You, I mean, you got to have some Hitchcock and uh, uh, in the forties. And I have a lot. I think I have maybe two more, at least two more. Cary Grant in the forties because he kind of dominates, and I think he's awesome. I know. I don't know if I have any Cary Grant. I guess we'll see. I don't think so, though. Actually. Hmm. Um, well, my number nine is also a tie, and it also has a Hitchcock. Uh, it is Thieves Highway from 1949, which is not Hitchcock. Um, it's Jules Dassin who did uh, Rafifi. He was a blacklisted director. Um, did he make that here? He made this here, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it's basically a noir film, um, uh, and... You know what? I'll read the plot from uh, Wiki because it's very brief. A war veteran turned truck driver, Nico Garcos, arrives at home to find his foreign-born father, a fruit farmer, has lost his legs and was forced to sell his truck. He learns that his father was crippled at the hands of an unscrupulous produce dealer in San Francisco, Mike Figlia. Garcos vows revenge. So I, you get the basic idea. Um, he goes mm-hmm. into business um, with uh, the trucking company and blah 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 anyway it's it's kind of a revenge noir thing it's really good uh and that was from 49 i think i said and uh my hitchcock is one that i hadn't known until criterion released it a long time ago and they they haven't re-released it on blu-ray or anything it's been out of print for a while but uh 
Spellbound, with also with Ingrid Bergman and uh, Gregory Peck. And I don't know if you've seen that one. The um, name sounds familiar. I forget though. Yeah, it's about this this dude at a a mental asylum who is maybe uh, not so scrupulous as as is the case with most Hitchcock things movies. Things are not what they seem. Um, but it's got some really good, like, it's kind of about psychoanalysis in a way, um, and, and, uh, anyway, it's about, you know, kind of freaking out, and there are a lot of really weird dream sequences where he kind of used almost, like, uh, German expressionism type shit to, uh, to do the dreams, and it was, it's really good. Anyway, I'm not describing it well, but it's Hitchcock, and... It's, you know, kind of what you would expect. It's a really good mystery, paranoid type thing. Anyway, Spellbound. And Thieves Highway. Yeah, there's, there's two I've never seen, and I'd like to. They sound great. Uh, next is a Cary Grant, surprisingly. From 1944, Arstick and Old Lace, based on the play. Have not it's a it. wonderful comedy. Oh, it's, it's Frank Capra. It's... It's uh, madcap. No, what do they call screwball? Screwball, com- screwball comedy where he finds out he goes to visit his old aunts and he finds out that they are murderers. And there's an, another character who looks exactly like Boris Karloff, and unfortunately, he's not played by Karl Boris Karloff, but in the original stage production was. So that was a funnier joke. But uh, anyway, it's uh, a good, a very good movie. Very fun, funny. I have to say, I love Cary Grant and screwball comedies. Yeah, and he's. This is a really manic one because things are just going crazier and crazier as the film goes on, and it's just he's really good in this one. All right. Uh, I can't, and I'm reading a little bit about Wikipedia, and his role was originally intended for Bob Hope, and it, I can't imagine this working with Bob Hope. Oh God, no. Cary Grant was perfect at that because he could, because he was kind of the straight man in those, but he also had comedic timing. Uh, yeah. And he, I mean, he when those those moments when he's just like, just like flabbergasted are are, are outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Cary Grant was the shit, man. Yep. Um My number eight. Uh, speaking of directors that we've done a lot of, is uh, Kurosawa from '49 called Stray Dog. I don't know if you've seen this one. It's a. No. It's another one set um, in. Modern times. I don't know why I always feel the need to say that with Kurosawa. I think people always well, think it's like feudal Japan stuff. But uh, yeah, I think that is why you have to say it because he is more known for that. But I guess there's a lot that isn't there. So yeah, and it's basically about it's a sh- a shorter movie for him. Oh well, it's 122 minutes. It doesn't feel like it though. It it moves pretty quick. Well, um, still for him, that's a short movie. Yeah, it's about a um this homicide detective in Tokyo who uh. He's like a rookie, and he has his pistol stolen on a trolley ride, and then the movie is about him trying to get it back, you know, huh. before... And that's, I mean, that's a basic outline, but it's more fun than that and intense. Um, yeah, is, wait, is anybody... Is it Toshiro Mifune that's in it? I can't even remember. Yes, yep. it is. Of course it is. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It's not like Kurosawa made bad movies. Maybe some of his his later stuff, which I haven't seen, um, doesn't get the greatest reviews. But but this one is great. Um, everybody should check it out. Stray Dog. Yeah, I'd like to see this one because I've seen a 
few of his movies in the 50s, but I don't think I've seen anything earlier. I mean, this is 49, so it's not like it's a long time before, but still, I'd like to, yeah, I've I'd got, like to see it. I've got a box set of his earlier films, and they're all good, too, like from the, from the 40s. Um, yeah, no, he was always good, I think. Uh, what do you got for number seven? I'm just looking at the Wikipedia for this page, and it's making me think of something else. So apparently, uh, the script was inspired by the Naked City, which was a movie, and that reminds me. There's a Naked City television series that I was reading about. Have you ever seen that? It sounds amazing. I've seen uh, bits and pieces of it. I don't know if I've ever seen a whole actual episode or anything. Oh yes, I have. So it's it's um, an anthology crime series. Yeah, with, like actors like Dustin Hoffman and. Of Rip Torn and all, all kinds of actors who went on to do great things and, and, and writers and directors who went on to do film and stuff. And it just sounds, it sounds really neat. So I'd like to get, like, just see a few episodes of it and see what it's like. Yeah, it's like the Twilight Zone of crime series. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't, you know, growing up, we, we would see Twilight Zone everywhere on UHF channels, but I've never seen Naked City anywhere. So, yeah, I'd like to see it. Um, anyway, oh, I'm going to my, uh, what, number seven? Yeah. Third Man. I don't know of much to say. It's Orson Welles is incredible in it. We all remember the famous cuckoo scene, but Joseph Cotton's good in it too, and it has an interesting, interesting story and based on the Graham Greene novel. It's good. And, yeah, and uh, shot in post-war Vienna, which is awesome too. Um, directed by Carol Reed. Yeah, that was from what forty-nine. That one too. Um, yeah, the Third Man is. I think one everybody has to see. Mm-hmm. My number seven is a little film from 1944 called Double Indemnity, another noir with Fred McMurray uh, playing a kind of a heel, which I guess is what he did before he was my three sons' dad. Uh, you've seen this one, I assume. No. Oh, you haven't? I don't think I've seen anything on your list. I've read the book, but never seen the movie. Damn, Barbara Stanwyck, Fred Mc, uh, Ed, Edward G. Robinson. Oh, yeah, you got to see it. I mean, yeah, I've read the book, too, James M. Cain. It was uh, directed by Billy Wilder and co-written by Billy Wilder and Raymond Chandler, the screenplay. So. Man, that's... Uh, hey, i got to see this. Yeah. So is there any movie on your list that I've seen? Nope. Oh, Abin Castell, me Frankenstein. Yeah, of course. Um. So this is what forty five. What is this from? Forty four, and uh, yeah, it's it's a basic noir. I mean, it's got all the elements. It's got a femme fatale um, trying to get this guy to do in her husband so she can collect the insurance. And uh, anyway, it's what can you say? It's a noir, and it's based on a James M. Cain novel. So and co-written by Raymond Chandler, like I said. So that's all you should need to know. Uh, wow, I can't believe you haven't seen this one. Yeah. Got What What's your number six? It's a three-way tie. I'll talk more about one of them, but I like all three of them. It's the same director. So Preston Sturgis with Sullivan's Travels, The Lady Eve, and Palm Beach Story. And uh, we did an episode of Sullivan's Travels, but if you haven't heard that episode, that's I think that's my favorite Preston Sturgis movie. It's... It's Joel McRae and Veronica Lake, and he's a director of, of of no, he's a director of of like light comedies, and he wants to make a serious movie called Brother We're Out Thou, and his 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 team doesn't want him to do that. I forget exactly why, but 
they they wanted to make the funny movies, but he goes out and travels to see what it's like out in the world. And while he's traveling, he ends up in a prison camp and he sees one of his his funny movies and it, it brings everybody joy. So he decides to go back to doing funny movies. Anyway, it, the plot doesn't matter as much as as the, I don't know. The plot's important, but it's watching the movie is really fun. It's a it's a really well made movie and it's it's worth seeing. And yeah. I think I think Preston Sturgis is is a, a director from the forties that was super popular, but people kind of forget. And I think that's a shame. And I think more people should see his movies. You know, everyone's seen like everyone's seen, uh, let's say double indemnity. And I haven't, but most people have seen that in Casablanca and that kind of, uh, kind of thing. And these were popular at the time. And I think there's, they still hold up and they just, for whatever reason have, have, have not kept their popularity. And it's too bad because they're really good movies. Yeah. Oh, Preston Sturgis. Well, speaking of Preston Sturgis, my number six is the Lady Eve. Nice. Which is I was hoping that would happen. My favorite of his, which we saw at a old revival theater yep. in L.A. together, and um, with, and that's from '41 with uh Henry Fonda and uh, shit. Who? God damn it! I I didn't even pull that one up, but uh, but yeah, it's like. A slapstick. Barbara Stanwyck again. Barbara Stanwyck. There you go. Um, it's kind of a farce. Uh, it's just fucking hilarious. I don't know. It's it's very gets very complicated, but uh, but Henry Fonda is great in it, and he's like I don't think I've seen him in comedies other than this. And he, like it's the same with Joe McRae, that they're they are so straight laced that the comedy is even better with them in it. Like the, the silliness happening around them. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's another Preston Sturgis I didn't mention. There's a, there's a lot more in the forties, but there's one that, um, not miracle Morgan's Creek, which is also great, but the, uh, sin, sin of Harold Dibble, Dibblebach. I wouldn't have it on the list cause I don't remember it that well, but the, sto- the story about it is more interesting that. So, um, Preston Sturgis left whatever studio is at and teamed up with Howard, Howard Hughes to start a new studio. And the first movie he wanted to make was with Harold Lloyd, who was a popular silent film star, but who kind of like fell off the, the face of the earth and people didn't know about him anymore. Or they did, but he wasn't doing movies anymore. And in this movie, he plays like a nerdy accountant who's living vicar not vicarious. He's, he's living off the glory days when he was in high school and in high school or college, he scored a big touchdown for his football team. And in the movie, they use clips from when like a, a silent film he was in where he was doing a football, yeah. like football <laughs> scene. And that's fun. And there's a lot of, there's, it's a really fun movie. And I remember watching it and enjoying it, but I didn't know about the story. So it wasn't that as popular as Howard Hughes wanted it to be. So he cut, recut it himself and cut like a half hour out of the movie. And they, re, they, they put it back out there with a, a name that didn't have the, the word sin in it because they were afraid the Christian people wouldn't watch it. So it's kind of a fun story. And I didn't know that uh, Sturgis left to make his own, uh, start the studio with Howard Hughes. I'd never heard that before. I didn't anyway, know that either. Uh, Her- so. Yeah, Harold Lloyd was the uh, hanging off the clock dude, right? Yep. Yeah. And they they recreate that scene for the sins of Harold Dibblebach, and it's it's a fun movie. I just I don't think it holds up to the other. You know, the other movies have more than just comedy. They they kind of have interesting drama and you know a lot going on yeah but um all right well we damn we blazed through our top or our bottom five so let's take a quick break and we'll come back and do our top uh we shall return 
We had a comrade, a brave comrade. He could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero. Tried talking about Shamiro to computers wearing earphones. He almost died for conversation. Hallucinations, good vibrations. Van Dyke Park's great racing, steeple chasing. All right, we're back with uh, our top five. So what do you have in position number five on your list? And I realized now that I screwed up because this list could have had other, I could have had a third, because it's, it's a tie because it's the same director and I'm trying not to fill up places with directors, but that means Capper got two spots accidentally because I didn't realize he directed old, Arsenic and Old Lace. And it's a, it's a Wonderful Life and Meet John Doe are my number five. It's a Wonderful but, Life is the one I was thinking of that I did not put. But, yeah. It's it's I think the quality of It's a Wonderful Life is kind of diluted because people watch it every single year and there's plenty of people who are sick of it. But I think it's such a wonderful, sweet, happy, but also super duper dark movie that I really like. Yeah. And I know people have the interpretation of watching it and saying it's not happy at all. It's like, but I think they're just being cynical. It's it's they a are. sweet movie. Yeah. No, it's, it is. The, the 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 end the end message. I mean, you can have. You can talk about the dark parts, but the end message is the people around you are more important than the money and everything else. Being yeah. a good person is is a good thing in and of itself, and it's a it's a well made movie and it's it's great. I doing this it makes me a little disappointed because I read a little bit about Frank Capra and he was a super duper kind of jerky right wing guy, and I I don't like hearing that, but he did make good movies. Was he? I, I knew Jimmy Stewart was, but maybe that's why they were such good friends. Yeah, I guess it's just he was anti Roosevelt, so it wasn't like after he got older he he turned right. It's just I guess there's some issues he was super right about. He was very anti communism, which you know at the time it I don't know. It's just some of the stuff. It, it's not so much as part like Jimmy Stewart's. It's is super conservative, but it doesn't bother me as much. But there's a quote from him where he was talking about how the he was out of directing and it was in the sixties and seventies, and he talked about how the homosexuals and and the Ugh. the deviants had ruined Hollywood. It's like, dude, man, your movies were so good, but wow. your opinion is disgusting. But that's just a clip of maybe his full opinion isn't that bad, but that one was really bad. Anyway, good movie. Meet John Doe is also a wonderful, sweet populist movie, and I, I like it a lot. I feel like so, I've seen it, but who's in it? I can't remember. Uh, Gary that Cooper. One. I think we watched uh, we watched it for the podcast. Uh, you had the. That's what was I thought. Okay. Yeah. So Gary Cooper. Is, oh yeah, we did that one versus the lives of others. Yeah. Yeah. He he's a regular guy that they try to make into a political. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um. Oh. Yeah, I didn't know that about Frank Capra. That's too bad. But uh, well, my number five is also a tie. Uh, the Big Sleep from 1946 and the Maltese Falcon from 1941. And uh, Maltese Falcon, I think everybody knows, based on the Dashiell Hammett book starring Humphrey Bogart, directed by John Huston. Um, and it's also got uh, Peter Lorre in it, which is where I think he got, like, the caricature of him came from this movie. Yes, I feel like. yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
he's like a sniveling little toad. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the caricature usually involves a big, a big fat guy as his <laughs> counterpart, also a Maltese Falcon. Yeah. Um, I see here it was cited by Panorama du Film Noir Américain as the first major film noir, which, yeah, probably so. 41, that's pretty early. Um, and uh, The Big Sleep, uh, based on the other great noir mystery writer of the time, uh, a little later, actually, but uh, Raymond Chandler's book, this one directed by Howard Hawks, uh, written by William Faulkner, the screenplay, and uh, with Bogey and Bacall. And it is, what do you need to know? Raymond Chandler. I mean, yeah. you either get that or you don't. So, uh, yeah, two more noirs. This really was, like, the best age for noir, I guess. Um, I, yeah, one of these movies might come up in my list later, and one of these movies just missed my list. So they are both awesome. Uh, all right. Well, what do you got for number four? Number four, another tie. And this is a tie that doesn't make sense except the fact that it's a the same director and a director who's pretty much the opposite of Capra as, as in his personal life. Uh, Philadelphia Story, another Cary Grant, and Gaslight. And Gaslight, Gaslight I almost picked, uh, but uh, yeah, it, I didn't quite make it. It's a wonderful, like, dark movie, but I, I think it's also on my list because it's become like a... The, the, the idea of the film has become like a cultural yeah. phrase and I, I think that's interesting and it's nice to see, it's nice to see the movie where it came from Ingrid Bergman again I think she's been in a few of my movies and and of course Angela Lansbury where it's just amazing how long she's been around and yeah. seeing her in that, as the maid uh, the Philadelphia story yeah, as the maid this. with with the uh, Cockney accent yeah that, yeah <laughs> and Gaslight 94 and 44 and Philadelphia story is just like that is that is such a funny movie, and it has everybody in it. It's Catherine Hepburn, Jimmy Stewart, and Cary Grant, and it's just a really funny movie. And it's yeah, I don't, I don't know. You there? Yeah. Okay. Sorry about I that. Pat. Heavy breathing. I was like, whoa, did the dog get on? No, I I got unplugged here. Sorry. Um, sorry. Last thing I heard from you, I don't know if it recorded at all. Um, was just the cast of the Philadelphia story and that it was really funny. Okay. And when we came back on, I heard you say George Cooker. So, um, I have not seen the Philadelphia story. It is, it either just came out or is about to come out on Criterion Collection. So, uh, it's amazing. It's, it's fun. Oh, anyway, the, what I was saying about George Cooker, where he, oh, however you say his name, and he's not, he's different than Frank Capra, that he was a closeted, uh, gay guy. In Hollywood at the time, and so he was ruining it. <laughs> yeah, I guess he was he was ruining it before the '60s. Wow! But he had an interesting life, and he seemed like a really cool guy. He had these like elaborate parties that all the cast and crews from all of his movies would go to, and he was very well loved. And near the end of his life, I guess he he uh, had a relationship with a much younger man who and he supported him through through college and and law school. And the guy became a lawyer and, and got married to a woman. And it was like they were still like really good friends the rest of their lives. And I thought that was really kind of sweet and nice. Oh, that's cool. I, and you know, I feel like in the forties, you don't even have to say closeted gay guy because who the yeah, hell was out, right. you know, you're like, right. yeah. Um, yeah, I want to see the Philadelphia story. That'll be another one we can do an episode on. Um, 
My number Philadelphia four. Philadelphia story versus Philadelphia. Ugh. My number four is also a tie, um, which I'm sure you have at least one of these. I'm probably sure you have both of these on your list, but uh, Casablanca from 42 and Citizen Kane from 41. And uh, I don't know. What the hell do you need to say about these movies? Really? I I think I give Casablanca the nod over Citizen Kane just just slightly. Um because the story's more interesting to me. Um, and it's got Bogart, who I love in everything. Um, and again, Ingrid Bergman. So, uh, yep. everybody should know this. And it was made during the war about, the about like, smugglers in the war. Like, it's just so, such a fucking cool movie. Um, and then Citizen Kane, just, you have to put it on every list. It, it really is, like, technically amazing. Um, a little overlong for me, but you know, I gotta, I gotta give respect where it's due. Um, anyway, you... yeah, I, I've, both these are in my list. I, I could talk about them more when it's on my list, but Susan, I'll just say now, Susan Keane, one of the reasons I like it, like people talk about the technical stuff and I don't think I pick up on that as much because all the stuff he's doing has already been done. And I, I still, I, I appreciate it. And I think it's really cool, but I actually think it's a fun story. Like I watched the movie and I, I laugh and I, I think it's a really interesting story and the acting is engaging. I'm never bored when I watch that movie. And no, that's well, the acting's great. And I mean, everything about it's great. The sets are great. Yeah. Um, it's, it's amazing. And it's funny. It has those fun, like the, when the, the, the girlfriend or wife, I forget which it is. She's singing in the opera house and they, they pan up that long pan shot up to the top of the theater where the two guys look at each other and like this stinks. It's just, it's technically different for the times and that's amazing, but it's also really funny. It's not like it wasn't doing technically technical stuff just to do it. It was, it was yeah, it interesting. Yeah. It made scenes more interesting. Yeah. Uh, which is why I think it gets that credit. And you're right. There is like humor in it, which you don't expect. So, um, it's not like deadly serious all the time. Still don't know what Rosebud was. I think I fell asleep in the last two seconds. Well, yeah, it's, it's that's one of those ongoing mysteries because everyone falls asleep. Yeah, it's like what's in the what's in the box in Pulp Fiction. Um, yep. All right, what do you got for number three? Number three also ran Maltese Falcon. Yeah, good. Yep. I, I, no complaints about that. That's an awesome movie. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. I mean, it's it's. It is probably the first film noir. Like, think about what what else was there like before forty one. That's interesting. Uh, I, I, before I did this, I didn't realize it was so old. I thought it was like probably forty five or something. But um, well, what's interesting is it was a remake, and I wonder what the original was like. From what I've heard, it was shitty. But yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it. Um, well, which is why everybody knows this one. Right. Yeah. But still, I mean, there's some remakes that are. The, the original is still okay, but this, yeah, it's, I would like to see it and comparing, comparing the two would be impossible because this is so much, I, I don't even have to see the th- one for 31 to know that this, this one is so much better. And did we say it was John Huston's first film? I don't know if we said, and I don't know if that's true, but let's look his ass up think, on IMDb. I'm pretty sure it's his first film and it, it doesn't It seems like it would have sense. to be that early. Well, it's just, it is his first film, but it's it's just like Susan Keene with him uh, being Wells' first film. It's just how they had such an idea of what they were doing in such an early time. It's just amazing. Um, yeah, and no. I don't think 
John Huston ever touched this. I think this is his best movie. Yeah, no. I mean, Treasure it, of Sierra Madre is good, but I don't have it on my list because it's not that good. It's good, but not great. Yeah, and well, and he did like he kept working up through the late eighties. Um, yeah, yeah, and still made good movies too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the the African Queen I really liked as well. Um, that's the thing about John Huston. He he could do anything. He was one of those guys. He was like all over the place. Um, another one of his I almost picked. I don't know. It's probably not on your list at this point, but uh, Key Largo I really liked too. Yeah, that was on my list, but it's just the other stuff I liked more. It's yeah, a, same. It's an interesting movie. It has, um, I forget, Lionel Barrymore, is that his name? It's one of the Barrymores the in that Barrymore wheelchair the whole clan. movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's, and he's he's pretty pretty good in that one too. But yeah, it's... All right, yeah, Maltese Falcon, we both have... I knew we'd have a bunch of uh, duplicates. My yeah. number three is Out of the Past from 1947. Um, the... Yep, Robert Mitchum, the great Robert Mitchum. In my opinion, like the ultimate film noir movie. Uh, it's it's kind of long for... Let me see what it is. Oh, no, it isn't. It's only 97 minutes, but there's a lot of shit packed into that. Um, and it's everything you think of when you think of film noir is in this movie, um, but it's done so much better than almost every other film noir that um, it's a must-see. This I think this might have been the first... Yeah, first film noir I saw, at least when I knew what the term film noir meant. Like, I might have seen the Maltese Falcon or something on TV, but, uh, yeah, this this is an amazing story that goes all over the place, and it's, you know, a, Robert Mitchum is a dude, you know, an ex-con or whatever, who's trying to go straight and gets drawn back into shit, uh, which is a common theme. But go see it, man, out of the past. What do you have for number two? As if I couldn't guess, these Casablanca. Yep. I think the only thing I want to say about Casablanca is the fact that Claude Rains is a super underrated old time. He's actor. great in it. Yeah. He's great in this. He's great. What was the other? What was the other movie I talked about? He's in. I forget. There's some, oh, Gaslight. No, I forget. There's something else. Maybe I was just thinking of Casablanca. He's great in this, and I think at the time he played the Invisible Man in some movie that I've never seen, but that became the joke for forever, and that's too bad because he's so. Oh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. He's great in that, and he's just yeah. He's he's a wonderful actor, Claude Rains. Yeah, and it it really is a great movie. I heard Bob Odenkirk say he doesn't like the Casablanca. Did you? It was on Comedy Bang Bang a long time ago, and he was saying how he didn't think it was a great film because like. That middle section with the love story, he thought dragged it down, but I have no problem with it. Like I think it's perfect for setting up. You kind of almost want to know how they know each other, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I know. Yeah, uh, it's right. funny. So that's, I think that's the thing about a lot of these these dramas from the '40s that they have a sense of humor that works with the drama. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which. When you see that in stuff in movies these days, it's usually really bad humor. Um, yeah, that's it. Really works like the, and it's subtle. Like you could be watching Casablanca and see that scene with the. That's, I guess it's not subtle, but it always seems subtle to me because I guess I was a little kid where he's like gambling. I've oh, he's ripping up the tickets. What, what's the line? That, I had no idea gambling was going on here. Oh, as he gets the winnings. That's what yeah, it was yeah. Um, no, I think it is well compared to the stuff today. It is subtle. Uh. Yeah, Casablanca, how can you go wrong? My number two, uh, another duplicate from yours, The Third Man. 
which I've now seen multiple times, saw it in the theater for a revival, and uh, I like it more every time I see it, uh, which is the sign of a great film. And, you know, you've already talked about it, um, but it's also very, you know, it gets very tense, and uh, and it's dark. Like, Orson Welles is a bad fucking dude. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think the... I think the thing that sometimes gets overlooked for Third Man when people are talking about it, it's, it feels like it's an Orson Welles movie, but it certainly isn't. He doesn't show up until three quarters of the way through the movie. Yeah. No, I mean, as like people oh, think... Oh, he directed he it. Wrote, yeah. But he had nothing to do with that nope. part. He just, he just made some money to direct his other movies. Yeah. And he did a good job. That's the, that's the thing that's awesome about Orson Welles, how great an actor he was. He was great in this. I mean, his if, presence if, fills up the screen once he comes on. If he decided not to be a director and writer and just acted his whole career, he'd still be like legendary. Yeah. No, totally. Um, well, I mean, I have wait with bated breath. You're number one, Pat. What could it possibly be? I have no idea. <laughs> I wonder what his life would have been like if he didn't take take target on that. On Hearst? <laughs> Citizen King's number one target on uh, William Randolph Hearst for the yeah. very first movie he made. I mean, that's... I. It's an awesome movie, but it's a little bit of hubris to do that because it it did, I think, hurt his career. It did hurt his career, but it's also kind of badass. Yep, and I, I, Hearst is the reason this didn't win an Oscar. I, yeah, I can't imagine why else. Well, I have to look it up to see what won, but there's no way whatever won is as well remembered as this. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, who? You know what? I'm gonna look it up right now. 1941 or what? It's 42. This will be 42. To... I think it was uh, it was How Green Was My Valley. It beat out Susan Kane and the Maltese Falcon and Suspicion. So well, yeah, How Green Was My Valley was supposed to be good, but I haven't I haven't seen it. Um, I it's I, not better than sure. Citizen Kane or the Maltese Falcon or Suspicion. Yeah, or Here Comes Mr. Jordan. I wouldn't think. I liked Here Comes Mr. Jordan. I thought about yeah, that's what I'm saying. Was, how Green my, yeah. Was My Valley it probably isn't better than that. No, I like Here Comes Mr. Jordan, too. Um, don't know these other ones, but... Yeah, of course, Citizen Kane. I think they made a remake of Here Comes Mr. Jordan with Warren Beatty. And it was did, the same yeah, thing. Heaven Can Wait. Oh, it, what? So, that's weird, because I remember Mad Magazine made a parody of it, and they for some reason they called it Here Comes Mr. Jordan. I guess they were just noting on the remake. Yeah, and then they remade it again with Chris Rock, uh, which I didn't see. Did they really? Yeah. I think that one was a bomb, but that's too bad. Um, yeah, Citizen Kane. Who can complain? The rain in Spain falls mainly on the plane. My number one is Bicycle Thieves. Uh, which is, I mean, when people ask me my favorite movie, it's one of the ones I'll say if I have to name one. Um, you've seen it. Yep. It's awful. Yeah, terrible. It's a it's an ironic choice for me. Uh, no, it's it's just Wonderful. yeah. Uh, you know, he used Vittoria De Sica. Um, Forty eight is when it came out. Uh, used non actors and uh, Italian neo realism. That's where the term came from. I think it was this movie specifically. And uh, it's a heartbreaking movie, and a very another one that's very populist. Like it's. It's definitely he's concerned with the humanity of the common man, just like uh, in Un 
Umberto D, which I picked for the 50s. But, um, yeah, come on, man. I uh, Steve Mockus, past guest on the podcast, I loaned this to him because he had never seen it. Um, I couldn't believe that. But anyway, um, everybody should watch this. And Citizen King. Actually, they should watch all these movies. Yeah, I don't think there's anything like some. I think some of our list. I'm, I'm a little ambivalent that people need to watch it. Well, probably the Yankees. They uh, no, it's still fun. It's worth. And there's nothing on this list you shouldn't watch. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. We're saying they're the best. Oh, well, I think both our number tens are the easiest to miss. Yeah, Abbott Costello and Pride of the Yankees. Um, but like but you said, they're fun. they're fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about the ones? I only have a couple that didn't make the list. I think I already mentioned uh, Mine Like Gaslight, and yeah, but go ahead. So Grapes of Wrath, uh, it's a great movie. It, it just, I think it's, it's. I feel like it's, it, it, it certainly is a great movie, but the book is so much better. Yeah. It kind of takes it down a little bit, but it's, it is really a good movie. It's good. It's, I mean, it's also super grim. Um, yeah, well, it's not like a fun watch, but no, no yeah. I don't think you're gonna. That's not the kind of story you can really make into a fun watch. Um, I guess you can if you make it into a musical, which they did apparently. What? They did not, did they? I don't. I don't think so. Good. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't put it. it's coming though. I'm sure it's coming someday. Yeah, uh, I know. What else? Well, like I said, uh, Key West and or I mean Key Largo and. Uh, and Gaslight were both almost made my list. Um, and uh, yeah, the Big Sleep and uh, and Rope were pretty close to making rope, my list. I really yeah. like Rope. I don't. I I don't think it's his best, it's but it's not, interesting. Yeah, I, it's kind of held back by the fact that it's that whole deal where he wanted to use it without any takes, which is kind of dumb, but it's fun. I like the fact that I never knew this before. I was reading about it lately. It was written by the, this, uh, the play, or is it a play? I forget if it's a play, but it, yeah, it's a play. And the, one of the facets of the play is that the, the professor and his students, they're lovers. And that's interesting to me that they, they kind of took it back a little bit, but the, the, the actors were saying that's how we're playing it. So just because you didn't see it doesn't mean we weren't playing that. So I yeah. think that's fun. Yeah, rope's not top tier Hitchcock, but it's it's no. good. Um, yeah, I don't know. There, I'm sure there are a bunch of film noirs. I admit, like when did DOA come out? I actually like that, although I don't know if it was critically acclaimed. Uh, I've only I've never seen DOA regular, but there was the a remake. No, 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 nothing that good. In the in the eighties, after Mystery Science Theater, there was a similar show that came out called I forget what it was called, but they would just show these old movies and and like kind of like Drunk History. Well, no, the opposite of Drunk History. They would put new words in what the actors were saying, and they uh, did that for DOA. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Um, and but you know, I'm a sucker for those kind of movies. I'm sure there are other Kurosawa ones that I can't remember the name of that I could have made my list too. But uh, whatever, this this is this was a good list, and I want to see what haven't I seen of yours? The Philadelphia Story I haven't seen. Um, maybe that's it. I think I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, there's a few on your list I haven't seen. You you've seen Palm Beach Story? I have not seen Palm Beach Story. Another Criterion collection. That's another good one. And and wow, that's the the one I didn't 
that was almost made my list, but I decided it wasn't good enough was that the Howard Lloyd press the circus movie, which I certainly think is especially for people who like the history of film is worth seeing because it has such an interesting story behind it. Not only the Howard Hughes stuff, but the fact that Howard Lloyd came back and they used some of the clips from his films. And yeah. that's neat. Wait, you picked three press and Sturgis though. What was it other than Sullivan's travels and lady Eve? Palm beach story. Oh, that was Palm beach story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's the one I haven't seen. Um, I didn't say anything. Oh, maybe that was my stomach. Um, all right, I, mm-hmm. I I kind of have a feeling we're going to have the same recommendation, or at least one of them. Uh, I think so. So if, it, if yours is music based, it is. So let's do it on three. One. Wait, wait, wait! Well, you already recommended St. Vincent last week. Let's do it on three. Okay. One, two, three. St. Vincent. A lot of sea ice. Ah. <laughs> Did you say? Well, I didn't want to recommend because I thought you're you already recommended. I agree, St. Vincent should be recommended, but I also want to recommend a lot of sea lice. Oh, the Courtney Barnett Kurt Vile album. Yeah, but the St. Vincent album is incredibly good. It's amazing. I, yeah, I mean, I recommended it, but I hadn't heard the whole thing. So yeah, <laughs> now and, I have. And I think I've mentioned I mentioned this to you in email. I, yeah, I definitely didn't say it in the show, but the. The singles that came out for St. Vincent, I really liked all of them. There's Pills, Los Angeles, and New York. I think that's it. Yep, that was it. Listening to the album, songs that weren't singles were better than all three of those, which is amazing to me. I, and I don't know. I really have grown to love New York, but uh, otherwise, oh, I yes, guess, I agree. I say it. I loved all three. And, yeah. And New York was the one that had took the – it was smart they put that out first because that was the one that took the longest to, to really grow on me. Yeah. Because it's so different than what she usually does. But yeah, there's there's other stuff on there. I can't think of it right now. I I think even the the like the title track is really good. It's it, a great album. It is, yeah. It's it's pretty much front to, front to back great. And her ballads are really good on this one. Like that's, which is usually for me, I'm like, eh, ballads. But they're really hard to do well. But she, yeah, she kicks ass on this. So people in comments on this album, and I don't usually read comments for music especially, but they were complaining that the producer is turning her into Lady Gaga. And first of all, I don't think Lady Gaga is that bad, but I don't think this sounds that much different than the other album. So no, I don't know what they're talking about. Okay. Because I guess just because it's the same producer, they're angry about that. I don't know. That, that I mean, that's got to be it. But fuck you. Like, <laughs> it's a great album. You, I don't know. Be, you know, there, it's always that way with the hipsters. So, um, yeah, stop listening. Good. Maybe she'll play smaller <laughs> venues that I can go see her at. Um, yeah, Jack no. Jack Antonoff is is the target of their their uh, I don't know their ire. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I don't. You know, I don't know. I that kind of thing is pretty stupid. Like she wants to go with a different producer. That's so what? Like who fucking cares? Yeah. Um, who produced with, it before? I didn't know she was in the Polyphonic Spray. Yeah, yeah, for one album. That's fun. The middle album, I believe, yeah. Build I know. I don't think of Polyphonic Phonic Spree really has having members, just a bunch of people. I know it's like a collective, really, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, build is Annie Clark in that. Uh, no, yeah, I love that. Well, okay, so you're gonna do Courtney Barnett and Kurt Vile, then I'll do uh, the new Beck album, Colors, as well, which <laughs> is really. Friday good. was a good day for music. Yeah, it really was. Um. 
And yeah, that's it for me. I don't have any like no, I think no comic books or movies or anything this time. I th- I think those three albums. If you're listening to this and you haven't heard them yet, you should go out and hear them any way you can because they're really good. Yeah. The 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 Courtney Barnett Kerfuffle. I was a little disappointed at first because there was none of those breathless kind of rap singing things that she does on her own album. So that kind of I was expecting that and didn't get one, and I didn't like it the fact that that wasn't there, but then once I listened through it, it's like, this is really good. It doesn't need that. And there's one song where she's straight out singing. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think her other albums have that kind of thing as much. So it kind of feels like she has more confidence to do that. And I think that's really cool. So it's, yeah, it's mellow. Have you heard, Oh man, shit. I can't remember her name, but Courtney Barnett's girlfriend or wife or whatever she is. Uh, have you heard her stuff at all? No, I know that she's she's opening for them, so I will be hearing them live. Oh, yeah, good? that's cool. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, it's not as good as Courtney Barnett, but it's still it's like the same kind of like literate, you know, type um, folky rocky stuff. Yeah, no, I like it. And they the drummer on this this album was the drummer from Slitter County. Did I read that right? Oh, is it Janet Weiss? I yeah, I think so. She's fucking awesome. So that'd be cool if it was her on the tour too. Oh yeah, she yeah she kicks ass on drums. Um, all right, well, uh, let's do our thing. I gotta go see Blade Runner, man. Write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com. Rate us highly on iTunes and write a review, or just rate us highly. Uh, like us on Facebook, and most importantly, tell your friends to listen. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna be out of the country for a bit, so I don't know if Pat will do any episodes without me but uh might take a bit of a hiatus uh never been happier to leave the country be honest what you never come back oh i'll come back i got a dog here you know if where's the dog gonna be oh we got a dog sitter somebody at work um but you know like if we wanted to move overseas like say we want to move to london i think like if you have a pet you have to keep him in quarantine for like six months man Jeez. I know. Shit's crazy. Well, like, quarantine means what? Is there a place in England where the dog has to be? Can you go visit them? Yeah, it's in Buckingham Palace. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Well, this changes everything. Plays around with the corgis. Um, oh, no, no. Does, I guess doesn't get to play with the corgis because it's quarantined. But the corgis they don't like, they'll, like, let them play with. That's called corgi-teamed. And with that, we will bid you adieu. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.